Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. 23. Nothing personal. Word of the day is 23. Attention, all Mets fans. You are 23 votes away. It's really 22. You know what, Coca? The word of the day is 22. You need 23 votes to be approved as a new owner in baseball, except the Mets have one of those votes. And I bet I know which way Fred Wilpon, the control person the Mets, is going to vote. So instead of 23 of 30, you actually need 22 out of 29. Nothing personal word of the day is 22, as in votes needed in addition to Mr. Fred Wilpon, for Steve Cohn to take over as owner of your New York Mets. Word came out yesterday that an agreement had been reached. Lots of rumors. That deal was handled by Allen & Company Investment Bank, led by the great... Remember the player, Steve Greenberg? Except that may not be his name. Steve Greenberg is the banker. His father was the player. Oh, my God, Coca. I'm having a senior moment. What is the Hank Greenberg's son is Steve Greenberg. You didn't even have time, Coca. Steve Greenberg is the son of Hank Greenberg, the famous baseball player. Steve Greenberg was involved in Major League Baseball, then took over and started being an investment banker who you pay millions and millions of dollars to when you don't need to. Now, Steve's a great guy, but really don't need to hire him, but the Mets did. And they used A-Rod and J-Rod and J-Rod and J-Lo and A-Po to try to get a higher bid out of Steve Cohn. As you recall, he bid $2.6 billion. Then the pandemic hit, and then it was down to 235, then up to 2475. But none of that matters. What matters is that Mets fans are rejoicing in the streets. They're dancing in the streets. Similar to the way Marlins fans may have danced after Jeter took over. Does it mean automatic winning? Does it mean a rebuild? Does it mean automatic increase in payroll? All that's going to be a big wait to see. But I will say one thing, that if there are any fans out there who actually have not watched the Mets simply because they were upset with the Wilpon family, then your day has come. I can't imagine why you would do that to yourself. Maybe it's the losses. Maybe it's the lack of being competitive. Maybe it's the injuries. Maybe it's the wasting of DeGrom's Cy Young Award winner years. Maybe it's the wasting of Cespedes. Maybe it's not having one since 1986 and then only once after 1969, twice in the past. What is that? 69 to, what are we, in 2019? That's 50 years. We're in 20, 51 years. Maybe that's why. But if you're really not watching Mets games because of the owner, come on. Who would do that? Raise your hand. Raise it. Raise it, Coca. 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 Pre-show preparation, Coca said to me, he's been boycotting the Mets for three years. And now he's ready to end his boycott because the Mets are finally being sold. 
All the people who spent money flying banners on airplanes over Shea Stadium and then City Field, sell the Mets, sell the Mets. You've got your wish. Coco, let me ask you a question. Just between us. Just pretend no one's listening and watching. Insert. No, can't insert a joke there anymore. Maybe on show one, but not show 217. You're going to tell me that you'd rather deprive yourself of watching baseball and a team that you love because you're angry with a guy in the owner's box? What's the reason? You don't want to emotionally invest in a team because you're too upset with them? That's what it is? The fact is that you think, and this is what his line to me was, and this is one of the great lines of all time. I love when fans say this. It's the only thing I can control. I can't control wins. I can't control losses. I can't control who signs. I can't control who gets traded. I can't control who gets hired and fired. The only thing I can control is whether or not I watch the Mets and love the Mets and enjoy the Mets. So that's how you're going to manifest your desire to be in control, Coca, by boycotting and taking away something that you love. Now, does it give you more time to read books? Yeah. Does it give you more time to watch movies? Yeah. And to work on nothing personal? Yeah. And to have a great social life and all the other great things that you do? Yeah. But there's balance. Matt, you could have loved the Mets this whole time. And instead of watching every day, you check in the And you watch once a week, you watch twice a week. When they're in the race, you get excited. When they're not in the race, you get upset. But to completely boycott a team, you are Steve Cohn's dream come true. Because he is 22 votes away from dipping his hands into your posh. P-O-C-H-E, Coca, you know what that is, P-O-C-K-E-T. He's dipping his hands in your pocket thinking that you are now going back to the Mets. I think it'd be really cool if Steve Cohn did jerseys, right? Cohn jerseys as the owner. Cohn 20 to erase the nightmare that's 2020. Well, Steve made one mistake so far, and I want to mention it to uh, all Mets fans because I know that you are all excited that payroll is going to skyrocket. First of all, you know I told you he's going to fire Brody. Done. My guess is he's going to bring in a new president. He's going to bring in a new president of baseball operations, a new GM. My guess is Luis Rojas will not be retained. He'll do a full managerial search. And I think he's going to come in with a big time manager, a statement guy. But does it guarantee winning? What are the steps that Steve Cohn has to be thinking about and doing right now? Enjoying the golden aura around his gleeful face. Well, it doesn't start with this statement. The the Mets are owned by a group by the Wilpon family, and they have a company called Sterling Partners. And they made an announcement yesterday. The Sterling Partners have signed an agreement with Stephen Cohn, pursuant to which Mr. Cohn would purchase the New York Mets. The sale transaction is subject to the approval of Major League Baseball club owners. Quote, I am excited to have reached an agreement with the Wilpon and Katz families to purchase the New York Mets, said Mr. Cohn. And that was it. The whole statement. Let me, let me look again. Let me make sure. Hold on. I am excited 
to have reached an agreement with the Wilpon and Katz families. The Wilpons are Fred and Jeff Wilpon. Katz is Fred Wilpon's brother-in-law, Saul Katz, who's actually, I think, the named president of the team. And Jeff Wilpon is the COO and also co-owner. I'm excited to have reached an agreement with the Wilpon and Katz families to purchase the New York Mets, said Mr. Mr. Cohn. That's it. Rule number five. When you are becoming an owner and there have been rumors and everyone's excited, you do not allow yourself to be put into a press release by the former owner. That is rule number five. Rule number four. If you violate rule number five, you don't simply have one sentence that says you're excited to have reached an agreement. You need to talk about the fans. You need to talk about starting a new era. You need to talk about your excitement to own the great franchise and to bring a World Series championship. All the things that we talk about are nothing personal. I am excited to lead the Mets into the next chapter of their storied franchise. I am going to work with everyone to make sure that the Mets become the number one destination for all New York fans. I am going to open my arms and welcome back all Mets fans who remember the great days of your, is that the expression, days of your? I don't know if it is. You then have a 100-day plan. Steve Cohn has to be smart about this. He has to be strategic. When you buy a team like the Mets, you have an entire PR plan. You call it your 100-day plan. Things that you have to get accomplished in the first 100 days of your ownership. You start, you're going to be meeting with the media. And I don't mean meeting with the beat writers of the New York Mets. I mean meeting with the editorial of the New York Times, the New York Post, the Daily News, Newsday. You're going to meet with the editorial boards. Then you're going to have a press conference and you're going to have corporate sponsors. You're going to have players there. You're going to have season ticket holders. Then you're going to meet with corporate sponsors and season ticket holders. Then you're going to have an entire political strategy because it's no longer Steve Cohen, the Wall Street guy. No one cares about that. You are about to enter a business, whether you're a 14 billionaire or nothing. You are now in the public eye in a way that you haven't been even when you were investigated for insider trading. This is a brand new world. Don't fall into new owner-itis where you make signings, where you instruct your people to do what you want them to do, where you don't have an exact plan that you start executing from day one, or that you hire your Wall Street friends to be your head of PR, or your president of the team, et cetera. Baseball's different. You have one chance to make a first impression because there are millions of cocas out there. There are millions of people who are just waiting. They want to embrace their team again. And this is your chance, Steve. You can do it. You know how to reach me. Want some help? That'd be something. Be in competition with the Marlins? I'm not saying no. Nah, come on. I'm not leaving nothing personal. You know that. Steve Cohn needs 22. Nothing personal. Word of the day is 23. Amended to 22. Well, whoever is the new Mets GM is not going to have an opportunity to spend his or her first November at the GM meetings. The Major League Baseball general managers, general managers meetings, say that four times, ML Major League Baseball general managers meetings, Major League Baseball general managers meetings, Major League Baseball general managers meetings. Canceled, not postponed, not halted, canceled. 
That is when the president of baseball operations or the GM, your number one baseball executive, goes to a really nice resort in Arizona or San Diego or Florida or Houston or someplace really nice. They check into a hotel. They get a suite. The longest tenured GM slash president of baseball ops gets, gets the nicest, biggest suite. And then it goes down to the most recently hired, gets the smallest suite. You bring in your top baseball people. You sit in the room. You have a whiteboard. You write down things. You text other GMs. And you start laying the foundation for trades. Agents come. You start laying the foundation to sign free agents. They always take place after the World Series. Canceled. I never liked the GM meetings for the following two reasons. One, money. The expense for Major League Baseball Commissioner's Office to put on the GM meetings, the expense of each team to send its people to the GM meetings, is a useless, wasted cost. Now, it's a great media event because media goes and the GMs have to meet the media. It's off-season content. I get it. I've got a solution. The number one baseball executive of each team has to have a slot, much like they're doing now in the days of Zoom, where there's media availability and they meet the media every day to give a story where they end up saying nothing about nothing. Yes, we had a very productive day. Yes, we know that we need some offense and we're looking for some frontline pitching. We are keeping our eyes open. We are open to any possibilities. Any player who's available, there is no player who we will not take a very long, strong look at. See you tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes. We have had a great day yesterday. We've laid a lot of groundwork. There's a lot of groundwork that's being laid right now in terms of things that are going to happen. And we're going to look forward to the winter meetings. We're going to continue these discussions. We are very excited about the core of our team. The way we ended 2020 was phenomenal or slash was not good enough slash was below expectations slash was above expectations slash. It sort of met our expectations of mediocrity, but we want to do better. And we are spending time here working to make sure that when 2021 starts, we are going to be ready to compete for a world championship. See you tomorrow. And then the GM meetings end. And then a month later, the MLB winter meetings happen. The winter meetings are something completely different. The winter meetings are really, I would like to call them, and I tried to call them this, but I lost. I wanted to call them the minor league meetings. Call them the minor league meetings because that's where all the minor league teams go. That is where there is a job fair for people who want to get into either minor or major league baseball. The major league teams go and have a cocktail party with their minor league teams. That was always my favorite part of the winter meetings. Like, let's say they start on a Tuesday and go to Friday. Like Thursday night, when you get your itinerary of what you have to do with the winter meetings, and the traveling secretary takes care of this, and he'll send you your itinerary Thursday night affiliate party. Ooh, that sounds like free cocktails. Affiliate party means that the owners and presidents of all of your minor league affiliates go into one room. You walk in as the president of the team or the GM of the team. You shake hands. You say, hey, good to see you. They say, hey, we can have some good players this year. Hey, we're doing our best. We, got, we had a good draft. We're excited about that. It's very important for us to win at every level. Hey, yes, I'll take one more, please. Yes, have you gotten done with those stadium renovations? Aren't you happy you didn't get contracted? Yeah, I know we only have a year left, but I really don't want to do another exhibition game in the middle of spring training in Carolina. I know I'll have to because I know that you know that I believe that our minor league team is convenient in terms of the major league team. Yes, I know you're going to hold it over my head. All right, is, uh, can I leave? 
Hey, I got to go. I got to oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm getting a call. Um, Jeffrey. Yes. Oh, all right. I'll call you right back. No, no. Oh, it's that. Impo- Sorry, guys. I got to go. Jeffrey, if you're listening to this, the owner of the team, I'm not sure I could have used you more during moments like that for great calls that you would send my way. So the winter meetings are this complete cluster where, again, major league teams come, they get into suites, they try to make trades, they try to meet with agents, they try to sign free agents. Then they meet with media. It is a huge cost to major league baseball, a huge cost to the teams, more so than the GM meetings, because you get your trainers who go, there's a trainer's meeting. You've got all sorts of different people. Sometimes our roster for the winter meetings was like 40 or 50 people. The team psychologist goes, the trainer goes, the team doctor goes, the assistant to the assistant general manager goes. There's a traveling secretary meeting. There's a PR meeting. There's a manager's meeting. The coaches go. Everybody goes. Everyone's hanging out in the lobby. If you've ever been to a winter meetings, going through the lobby is like going through the gauntlet. Hey, good to see you. Yes, I'm rushing because there's a chance I'm signing a guy. Yes, I've got to go. Yes, I've got room service burgers. Winter meetings have not been canceled yet, but they are going to be. I assure you of that. It is the perfect opportunity given the fact that there's going to be quite a bit of negativity surrounding the minor league owners, given contraction, given the way Major League Baseball has taken over minor league baseball, taking over the negotiation. Such a big expense. They're going to use COVID as the reason. COVID is the season. COVID may be a perfect solution to permanently change the winter meetings, which I think would be important. With the advent of technology, which we're going to talk about later in the show during the review, I'd like to ask, why have these meetings in person? We have now learned that Zoom is good, texting is good, phone calls are good. You can do a Google Meet, you can do a Zoom, you can do a WebEx, you can do anything you want. And there's no reason. It was always very funny during winter meetings where like seven of you get up. All right, we're going to come see you, Dodgers. Andrew, we're coming to you. We'll come to you this time. What room are you in? 727? All right, we're on our way. We leave. We leave back four or five people in the room. We'll get back to you. We'll call you. We'll tell you how it goes. We get in the elevator. We go to 727. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. Hey, you'll talk about him? Oh, you won't? Okay. Do we have a drink? Oh, my God, your room is so nice. All of that drivel, totally unnecessary. Totally. MLB GM meetings, canceled. MLB winter meetings, it's coming. Not my way to see, but MLB winter meetings. You know what, Coca? By the way, I'm going to add that as a wait to see. Today's wait to see. Because it's going to happen. The Major League Baseball winter meetings will be canceled. They're scheduled for this December. It's NGTH. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right, Coke, I think we should talk about Tom Brady because someone asked us to. What do you think of that? You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. Get in my Twitter at David P. Samson. Follow me, please. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Remember, we were nominated for Sports Podcast of the Year. I think that's going to be announced in the next two weeks. Just being nominated has been such a great thing. Of course, if we win, it'll be like this. Being nominated was fine. I want to thank all the co-nominees, but man, winning's awesome. If we lose, it's going to be all we ever wanted was to be nominated. Yeah, we'll spin that like a top. <clears throat> Download, subscribe. 
Tell your friends. Watch on YouTube. It's possible tomorrow I'm going to make you smile on YouTube, by the way. Not because I'll be wearing a swimsuit. Okay, so you want to talk to Samson. That's from the movie called Half Baked. If you've never seen it, just get three quarters baked and watch it because you're going to laugh. There's a character in the movie whose name is Samson. People want to talk to him. So it's been great with all the listeners and viewers. You ask a question and I'm going to answer it. Generally. How do you think Tom Brady responded to criticism by his coach in Tampa after a week one loss? Simple, concise, and awesome. Tom Brady is a quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He played his entire career for the New England Patriots. He may have won a Super Bowl or two. He played under a coach named uh, Bill Belichick. And then he and the Patriots had that very loud and proud separation that turned into a divorce, that turned into a major competition between Belichick and Brady. Who needs who? I asked Aretha Franklin. It turns out that Brady is zooming Franklin. Do you get that, Coca? Who's zooming who? That's a song. So anyway, the question is, how will Tom Brady react to being in Tampa? We saw during the pandemic, he was having meetings with his offensive coordinator, pretending he wasn't, but he was. He was having workouts with his players, pretending he wasn't, but he was. There was no bubble and the helicopters found him. Currently living in Derek Jeter's house in Tampa. Played game one against the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. The Patriots, I just said the Patriots. That's funny, folks. The Buccaneers lost. Tom Brady is 40, I think he's 70, what is he, 71 years old? I don't know how old he is. He's definitely in his 40s. I'm going to say he's 43. He could be older, but he could be exactly 43. Thank you, Coke. He's 43 years old, playing in the National Football League. What do you, you think you're George Blanda? Ichiro? Julio Franco? Albert Pujols? Come on. So Tom Brady's playing. He's playing against Drew Brees, who, by the way, is only two years younger than he is. And Tom Brady was mediocre. That's really what he was. Let's just, if his name were not Tom Brady and he were wearing a face shield for COVID, no name on the jersey, and you opened your eyes and watched the game, you would say that Tampa quarterback was mediocre at best. Had some interceptions. Just whatever. He was whatever. What is very interesting is what happened after the game. The coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a guy named Bruce Arians. And Bruce Arians had a few words to say about his quarterback after the game. This is when we go to sound, Coca. Do we have the sound of Bruce Arians saying what he said? I don't know how you would have the sound because we didn't talk about having the sound before the show. So I'm just going to see how good you are. Hey, Coca, go to the sound of Bruce Arians. Ready? I'll wait. Da, 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 da. And there you have it. What Bruce Arians said is that his quarterback had a misread. It wasn't the wide receiver's fault. He said his quarterback had some poor passes. Basically, he was saying that Tom Brady was not 
good. Absolutely staggering. Why? Because Bill Belichick never criticized Tom Brady. Not Bill Belichick's out. Tom Brady doesn't seem like a player who appreciates criticism. Did you see him pouting on the bench at the end of the game, getting angry as though he had been there for 10 years, as though he were the team leader, which he may be? Listen, I'm not saying he's not the GOAT because he is. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, period. But he's not the greatest of this time. It's very rare for the G-O-A-T to be the G-O-T-T. Because to be the G-O-T-T and the G-O-A-T, you've got to be in your P-R-I-M-E. So it'll be interesting what Tom Brady did when he read about Bruce Arians' criticisms. I think the two things are going to have to happen here for them to survive because this is a brand new relationship in a brand new COVID season where they didn't have preseason games. They didn't have a proper off season. Nothing about this season has been normal. So I think both Brady and Arians will give each other a small pass, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to become irritable with each other. And if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take a step backwards this year and don't perform the way they were expected to perform, having signed Brady and Gronkowski and just gotten Leonard Fournette, who's not even a featured back, and all of the great receivers who he has, if they do not perform, that is going to result in an issue. And who's going to win that issue when Tom Brady signed to a two-year, I want to say $50 million all-guaranteed contract? Or does Arians win that? The best bet is for those two to get into a room right now. And if Tom doesn't like being publicly criticized, which I know he doesn't, then you've got to tell your coach that doesn't work for me. And then the coach has to decide whether or not that's a button he's willing to press. Is that a bridge he's willing to? That's a mixed metaphor. Is that a hill he's willing to die on because he wants to show every other player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that he will not treat Tom Brady with kit gloves? Is it kit gloves or kid gloves? It's got to be kid gloves. I don't know why I'd say kit gloves. Coco, which is it? I'm going to say it's kid gloves. He will not treat him with kid. Aren't there expressions? There's so many expressions like that where you just get it wrong. You've been saying it so long and you don't say it right. You don't realize what the provenance is or the etymology of the words. And so you end up saying it. People say like for all intensive purposes, but it's for all intents as in my intent, all intents and purposes. So it's kid gloves. Thank you for that question. I don't think Tom Brady responded well to it. And I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that they met afterward because they've got a season to play and they have high expectations and you do not want your quarterback and coach to be feuding. Now, they don't have to like each other. Remember, Belichick and Brady were not exactly having dinner on Saturday night, but they had a mutual respect and a codependency that was epic. Will Brady develop that with Bruce Arians? Wait to see. When we come back... We're going to talk about a movie that if you haven't seen, I'm going to ask you to put the show on pause. No, I'm not. I'm going to ask you to finish the show and then watch the movie. We'll be right back. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's extra help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back. We're going to get to some 
interesting baseball stories. But first, we're going to review a movie. And the movie we are going to review, uh, it's going to be a bit different than a normal review. Uh, It just came out on Netflix, and it's called The Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma is a documentary about social media, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. It's from the perspective of the developers of these platforms. And it interviews people who are willing to go on the record because none of them work for the companies that they are discussing. Part of Social Dilemma for no apparent reason, and don't be distracted by it and don't let it ruin it for you, they do this, they they hired actors, including the kid who was in the binge with Vince Vaughn, to play a family showing the impact of social media on the family dynamics and the impact of social media on the childhood of this kid and what happens with the parents and the kids. And they weave that fictional tale into the documentary, which is, has interviews from real people about what's going on in social media. That was a mistake. It's not necessary. If they needed that 20 minutes to have an hour and a half documentary, make it an hour and 10 minute documentary. Netflix would understand. It's way more powerful without this pseudo recreation fictional because the words of the interviewees were so strong and powerful that the distraction was not needed. So social media is a platform that the inventors had no idea what they were doing until it started happening and they figured it out and now they have gone off the deep end. Let me explain. How many of you are addicted to your phone. I am. How many of you, when you get an alert, the sound of your text, the sound of an email, whatever ding you have, how many of you, when you get that ding, you have an urge to look at the phone because you want to see what that is? It's like before the age of phones, when I was in fourth grade on Valentine's Day and you got to send a Valentine to all these girls and you were hoping that they would send them to you and people would walk into the classroom and hand out Valentines for that period. And when you didn't get one, you were despondent and sad and felt like an outcast. And when you got some, you were counting how many you got versus how many other people got. That was the beginning of this social media where you had this moment of social awkwardness and angst. Am I popular? Am I not? Do people love me? Do people want me? Now that is now manifested in social media likes, in social media retweets, in shares, in all of the metrics that you use, number of followers, the metrics that you use, Facebook, number of friends, the metrics that you use to define your well-being. What's fascinating to me is that this has been going on since before social media. This goes on in the playground at middle school. Are you invited to be in the cool game? 
Are you sitting alone in the corner? Are you the last pick in the playground pick to play a game at recess? Do you have a place to sit at during lunch? Do you look at the table of people, the punk people, the popular people, the athletes, the actors? Where do you fit in? How are you being judged? It is so difficult to be a child or a teenager or a young adult or a middle-aged adult because that feeling never goes away. The feeling of being judged and wondering where you fit in. And you only know where you fit in based on comparables. Well, there's eight people at that table. I'm going to sit over here with this one person who I don't even want to be with and I'm embarrassed, so I'd rather sit alone. Who's calling me at night back when we used house phones? Who's leaving a message every time you come home? How many of you don't lie before cell phones had an answering machine? You'd be out for an hour or two hours. You'd come home. What's the first thing you check? Your answering machine. Who called? You have four new messages. Hi, this is your car insurance. Be a rape. Hi, a race. Hi, this is Jessica. I'm calling for David. Would you like to get together Friday night? Oh my God, it's a dream. This has been going on, but what social media has done and what the algorithms in those apps have done is they have perfected it based on your behavior. And every time you click, every time you look at a page, every time you breathe, you think your phone's listening to you, right? You're talking about something, all of a sudden you go on Instagram and there's an ad for it. I'd like to go to Fiji. Do you hear that? I want to go to Fiji. Not about Survivor. I just want to go to Fiji. Yes, I know that's from the Truman Show, but it's the first place I could think of. Yeah, Fiji. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to go on the phone later, and there's going to be travel deals to Fiji, notwithstanding the fact that you can't go to Fiji because the borders are closed, which is why there's no Survivor 41 or 42 this fall or spring. Boo. So what these companies did is they developed these algorithms where the computers, not people, the computers are looking at you. They know exactly your trigger. They know exactly what to do with you and they feed it to you like it's heroin. And you become an addict and there is nothing you can do about it. Try it. Try to be without your phone. Try it for three days. Try it for two days. Try it for one day. Try leaving the house for work, leaving your phone at home and not turning your car around. Try going to class without your phone if you're a student. Try taking a trip without your phone if you're able to take trips, although no one's taking trips. You following me? You getting my gist? The problem I'm having is that it's too late. This movie talks about, you know what the most telling part was? One of the founders of one of the companies was asked about his kids And he said, there's only one thing I'll tell you about raising my kids. They don't have phones and they don't have apps. Someone else said that maybe high school is when you should let kids have phones. Social media is not for everyone. They talked about the rate of teen suicide. You think this is a joke? Why is the rate of teen suicide going up? Please watch Social Dilemma. And please recognize when you do that while you think you may control your future, 
and your relationship with social media, they have made it so you can't. There is no rehab for this addiction. We won again, Coca. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. Yes, we did. We had the Steelers plus five and a half over the New York Giants. That was outstanding. I was worried about a backdoor cover. (laughs) I was watching the game alone. There's no way I was worried about a backdoor or anything else. Steelers plus five and a half. We are now 18 and 10. Coco, we, I mean, I don't know if Paige is telling you this, but we're hot. So let's see what we can do to go 19 and 10. We have two great games tonight in the NBA. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, Heat Celtics, going to be a great series. Everyone here in South Florida is all over the heat, and I love that. I think the line is one and a half Celtics favored. I think the Celtics win this game. I think this series goes seven, and I think the Heat are going to be in the finals. Not predicting that, not doing a wait to see yet. I did the wait to see today. I can't remember what it was, though. Coco, will you remind me what the wait to see was today? I think it was, oh, the winter medians will be canceled. So Celtics minus one and a half is the pick in game one. That's at 6.30 Eastern, nine o'clock game seven, Nuggets Clippers. Watch the game along with Magic Johnson because we predicted Nuggets in seven. Back-to-back games. God, this is such a great time for sports. Okay, wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. We make a prediction. And if it doesn't happen, then we're going to revisit it and we're going to say we were wrong. If it does happen, then we are going to tell you it did. So a couple wait to sees, a couple of catch-ups. Number one, on February 28th, 2020, during a show, I said that Des Bryant would not be signed by the Cowboys, and that was the day that Des Bryant was rumored. Everyone was hot and heavy. He's going to the Cowboys. I said he won't. He's not in the Cowboys. That's a yes. We got that one right. On April 3rd, 2020, during the show, we talked about Clowney, that, uh, that uh, player for the Tennessee Titans. He was a free agent, and he was trying to get $17 million a year. Do you remember? He lowered his asking price that day, and we talked about it on the show. And we said, hey, way to go. I'm glad you lowered your asking price to $17 million a year. Guess what? Not going to happen. Well, he signed for 12 and a half. Didn't happen. We got that right. Remember that crazy racist tattoo on the kicker, the fifth-round pick by the Patriots? His name was Rohrwasser. He had that tattoo, and he claimed, I didn't know what that was. I just thought it was a cool design. The minute I found out what it was, I started to get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of it. Don't worry. I'm not a racist. I guarantee you that. And I said on April 27th, guess what? Robert Kraft is not going to have it. That man will not be kicking by week four. Guess what? He was cut by the Patriots. Fifth round pick. Wasted. We got that one right. May 4th, 2020. We said Antonio Brown will not be a Raven. Remember all the rumors of Antonio Brown being a Raven? Not going to happen. Got it right. Back on May 8th, June, July, August, September. That's over four months ago. We had to wait to see that Steve Cohn will buy the Mets. Check it out on May 8th. Guess what? Got that one. On June 2nd, when there was all that fighting going on about how many games MLB will play, we had to wait to see that MLB will play more than 50 games. Got that one right. They're about to play their 50th game here coming up. 
On June 9th, there was a lot of concern from Philadelphia 76ers fans and New Jersey Devils fans wondering how David Blitzer and Josh Harris will be as owners of the Mets. They had put a group together. They were all excited. It's not going to be A-Rod or Steve Cohn. I said on June 9th, nope, Harris and Blitzer will not buy the Mets because I told you they tried to buy the Marlins, but they're total value shoppers. And when you buy the Mets, it's not a value proposition. That's a yes. And here's the last way to see. This was just a good streak, Coca. On July 15th, 2020. Anyone remember this story? Burger King announced on July 15th, 2020, that they were going to start feeding their cattle lemongrass so the cow farts would not be so toxic and hurt the environment. I said in the next two months, by September 15th, there's not one fast food company who is going to copy that. Burger King thought they were leading the way and it was going to be a lemongrass festival that people were buying stock in lemongrass seed farms and people were saying everybody's going to start growing lemongrass because no one wants toxic farts going out into the environment. I said, no, two months from now, I promise you we'll look back and it'll be worse. The cows will be in worse gastric shape. Well, today, September 15th, we got that right. Thank you for the wait to seize. Don't forget today's wait to see winter meetings will be canceled. We'll revisit it. Okay. So we're going to end the show with a little college football. So much talk again about the Big Ten. We've spent countless segments on nothing personal. Was there a vote? There was a vote. There wasn't a vote. Was it 10-2? Was it 11-3? Was it 14-0? What's Michigan doing? What are the coaches doing? Who's suing who? We had Nebraska players suing. We've gone through all of these different things. Well, it's back in the news because the Big Ten, in theory, is supposed to vote because of their phone call with the president, I guess, and they want to start now. They're very lonely because they thought when they canceled fall football along with the Pac-17 and the Ivy League conference. They thought everyone else would follow suit, but games are happening and they're being left out. They've got total FOMO. Everyone's saying play. It's there's, there's no, everything's fine on campuses. Anyone have kids on the college campuses? Anyone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's outbreaks on college campuses, but it's safer to play football. So what happened here is that any day now, supposedly, there's going to be a new vote by the 14 presidents and chancellors. I'm not buying it. I'm not sure that anybody's changing their vote. So the president of Nebraska, and we know that Nebraska is a school that voted to play. We know that they've got the students who are suing. We know that they just want to get on the field. So the University of Nebraska president's a guy named Ted Carter, and he said that sometime today there's going to be an announcement that we are getting ready to announce the Huskers and Big Ten football tonight. Wisconsin Chancellor Rebecca Blank also spoke, and she said, once we have answers to contact tracing, once we have answers to the availability of testing, we're going to try to play and plan a delayed season. Well, they're ready in a delayed season. So everyone's getting all excited right now because they're pretty sure that Big Ten football is going to start. 
My question is, what science has changed since the 11 to 3 vote? Now, Wisconsin, my alma mater, they're saying, well, if, everyone, if there's testing, that's one of the big things. We talked about it with the president of Rutgers, another Big Ten school. Having consistency of testing. So when you send your players to Michigan, you know that the testing going on on the Michigan campus is the same as the testing going on at the Rutgers campus. So in theory, since they voted 11-3 against Plain and announced it, I guess all of a sudden there is now a perfect plan of continuity. That'd be great. I guess somehow they figured out contact tracing. Not sure how that works. Still trying to figure out the whole contact tracing thing. Oh, you were sitting next to that guy who was eating at that table in that restaurant. We're going to call you and say he may have gotten sick because he called us to tell us he was sick. I just don't get the whole contact tracing thing. So what really happened here has nothing to do with testing. It has nothing to do with contact tracing. This is because of the thing that makes nothing personal what nothing personal is. There are enough presidents in the big 14 who have taken a look at their budgets, who have now made the decision, should they decide to play, that the juice was no longer worth the squeeze. That they have no proof of myocarditis, that they have no proof that playing football is any worse than going to a class or sitting in a dorm room or having a frat party. That they have no belief that any sort of cluster in their campus is going to spread because they can contain it. They've got all of the regulations in place. They've got a huge manual of what to do. And they're ready to go. No, that's not it, folks. You know very well. They looked at their budgets. They looked at their lost revenue and they said, we have no choice. We cannot not play. That's a triple negative. We have to play. We have to get the big tent network programming. We have to get our athletic department funded. We have to get the boosters giving again in a time when people have lost money and they're not donating as much. We've got to get our budget balanced because we cannot afford to impact the academic side of this school the way it's going to be impacted to say nothing of the athletic side. So when the Big Ten announces today that they're coming back to play, you're not going to be fooled at nothing personal. You're going to know from the start this wasn't about health. This was about business. And it was nothing personal. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.